Hearing Voices? I'm Hearing Voices. You're listening to Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. Well, many of us watched in horror or saw the video replay 10 days ago when Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin went down during an NFL football game. And I thought we would bring a local flavor to that. We're joined this morning by Tim Caberna. He's the head athletic trainer at Hope College. Uh, Tim, there are times when you or a member of your staff are the highest medical authority at a sporting event. Kind of talk about what that entails and when there are some games, and I guess football might be one of them, when there are other medical authorities. Who's at these games to protect these players? Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott, and the opportunity to to talk to you and and the audience uh, about uh, this opportunity. Uh, First and foremost, you know, we're out there looking after the health and safety of of the participants, and sometimes that would spill over into into spectator care as well. So, really, for us as you know, frontline medical professionals, as as athletic trainers, we work in concert with you know our campus safety. We work in concert with our local EMS providers to have you know templates and protocols in place for immediate access in the case of a of a cardiac. Uh, or an emergent type of, of situation, and, and that emergency action plan, we go through that constantly in our in our head, and you know, kind of our pregame routines to make sure that we can facilitate care in a quick and appropriate manner, uh, whether it's a participant or you know, potentially a spectator. With some of our different sports, uh, the high collision contact sports, potentially of you know, football and and lacrosse. Uh, we may have dedicated units on site because there's just a higher incidence and we want that response time and that activation time of those appropriate services to be decreased to put ourselves in the best position and ultimately, you know, the student athlete or the patient in the best position possible for immediate intervention and and, uh, immediate care so we don't have uh, life-compromising situations. When someone says athletic trainer, I go back to the 1970s where that meant water and taping ankles. Uh, these days, it involves what? CPR, advanced life support, so much more. What are some of the specific trainings that a, an athletic trainer has to have as part of their certification? Yeah, so we, we have, um, you know, various elements of, of our job that uh, we deal with on a day-to-day basis from, you know, evaluation and assessment skill sets to treatment, rehabilitation, management of athletic injuries. We also deal with, you know, nutrition and sports performance things. But, again, really um, our call to duty is to be there in that emergent situation. So that first aid um, responder, that, you know, advanced emergency medical care professional um, badge is, is really kind of our major identifying element as it relates to, as it relates to sport and, and safety of sport. And obviously, you know, when we're talking about a cardiac situation, we're talking about a general medical situation that if it's not identified appropriately and in a timely fashion could have some significant consequences. Unlike, you know, and I don't want to minimize the sprained ankle or the sprained knee, but we're not talking about a life-altering or, or potentially consequential situation that could have, you know, significant ramifications, you know, in the future. So really having that skill set, having the resources to provide the appropriate 
um, care is is essential and, and one that we take very seriously in our profession. Tim Coburna is the head athletic trainer at Hope College. He joins me this morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. You can never miss an episode. We're at whtc.com and all over the web at Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere that you access high-quality entertainment. Tim, I want to talk a little bit about some of the equipment that is at your disposal if someone were to have a seizure and therefore trouble breathing, if someone were to have a sudden cardiac incident, uh, whether that be um, you know, a stroke or something that is more heart specific. What equipment do you have inside at a basketball game or a volleyball game outside on a football or a soccer field that you have immediate access to? Yeah, one of the staples of uh, of equipment that we have is is the you know automated external defibrillator, the AED. We see them, you know, in different public venues, um, but we have them accessible right on the sidelines. They're able to be portable. They can be moved from you know athletic field to practice field, from practice field to game field. So so that is a staple uh, with us. We may have uh, in some instances uh, portable oxygen that is on site, depending on, you know, again, the the sport and the um, location, you know, where we can start immediate um, oxygen flow from an oxygen tank to deliver to the patient. We also have um, assistive breathing devices, Ambu bags, which will put in artificial ventilation into a patient so it takes away the need for us to do the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. We now have a device where we you know, squeeze air into a mask, and that mask, you know, is then covering the, the airway and ensuring that we're getting, you know, air into uh, the patient to help keep oxygenated blood going while we're trying to figure out what, what condition the individual is is, is uh, suffering from. We wind up this morning with Tim Caberna from Hope College. He's the head athletic trainer. One of the things about being in a college setting is your use of students. Some would hear that and would be concerned. What role do students play in the training, uh, in the assessment, in the treatment of the day-to-day injury, certainly, but these sudden, more uh, life-threatening type things? Yeah, we, you know, we, we go ahead and utilize, you know, athletic training, student aids to help us with setup and takedown and be extensions of us from a workload standpoint. But those students are also first aid and CPR certified so that in the instance where we're called to, to intervene, that they understand how to activate that emergency action plan. They understand what their expected role is, whether it's to direct EMS to our location to help assist with gaining equipment. Their familiarity and their comfort level in the crisis situation is very important as we're trying to attend to, you know, the injured student athlete or or individual. So again, we can't do just one-stop shop and be a one-person operation. We rely on a number of different individuals to help assist, to expedite the process, because time is usually of the essence. We require that our coaches are first aid and CPR certified in the absence of a certified athletic trainer at their practice or competition. So again, we feel that we've got you know, minimal requirements and standards in place for basic life support if it is uh, if it's needed in, in those circumstances. He is head athletic trainer Tim Caberna. We will have more with him tomorrow. I'll ask him about whether or not the DeMar Hamlin situation changes his approach to training and practice. That's tomorrow morning on Hearing Voices. Mm-hmm. 
hearing voices? I'm hearing voices. You're listening to Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. This morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson, we continue our visit with Tim Caberna. He's the head athletic trainer at Hope College. In lieu of the DeMar Hamlin incident where he went down on the football field, Tim, will you change any of the way that you train preseason with your students, uh, with your equipment? Does it cause you to kind of reassess things from top to bottom, or is that an NFL-specific injury? No, it's it's certainly not an NFL um, specific type of, of injury. We take a look at those isolated incidences and um, because of the high profile nature of, of its visibility, certainly we, we examine it and say, how would that situation have been handled, you know, on, on our campus? So what it does allow us to do is not have so much a knee jerk type of response, but just a reexamination of current policies and procedures that we have in place. It now allows us to reach out to campus safety and to other constituents on campus to say, hey, are you aware of that situation? How would we handle that crisis situation, you know, if it were to happen on our campus and proactively be prepared, you know, through the different entities on, on campus to, one, helpfully minimize and eliminate that situation from having, but in the event that it does, that we're capable of handling it in the most appropriate uh, way. Obviously, we deal with 18 to 22-year-old college students, but our campus is very high-profile where we attract a number of outside groups. We have summer camps, so the age range that we have and in, in people having contact with our campus is, is wide, so we need to be basically available and, and ready to deal with a, a broad spectrum population, not just that healthy 18 to 22-year-old situation where accidents may occur. In early August, kind of the academic season from a sports standpoint starts to kick off. I would imagine that you have some new students arriving on campus, some returning students, but also sometimes new staff. What does your training look like amongst yourselves? I know to become an athletic trainer, at least historically, yeah, there was a proficiency exam that went along with a written exam. What do those scenarios look like in August and throughout the year? Yeah, we we will go ahead and, and, and basically touch base with our team physician uh, and we'll review policies and procedures. You know, with our team physician, we work directly under the supervision of, of our team physician. We will put different scenarios in place. We will typically reach out to local EMS, make them aware of any, you know, procedural changes or venue changes if we're building a new facility and there's a new site where we'll have you know, a student-athlete population actively participating, educate them on how to access that location, um, you know, in a timely manner. Um, again, if we have a new constructed building, you know, is that building have the, the population and the activity level where we need to have, you know, uh, an AED placed in it to help, you know, minimize, you know, a, a cardiac event situation. So we will look at a number of different things and, and review that with our local EMS. We'll review it with our campus safety people. Even though the demographics and the geographics of, of the campus don't change all that much, it is good practice for us to be sure that, you know, any new personnel that we have, um, they get the updated information. And it's just a, it's a, just a great refresher to kind of get our minds prepared for the upcoming seasons 
as we're coming off of, you know, hopefully some recovery and relaxation of the summertime to now being called to duty, you know, once fall gets here. You're listening to Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. I'm available on Twitter at the Scott J. Watson and 24 hours a day by email. The email, long, cumbersome, but easy, hearingvoicesradio, all one word, at gmail.com. That's hearingvoicesradio at gmail.com. And if you're polite, I promise to respond. We visit this morning with Tim Caberna. He's the head athletic trainer at Hope College. You and I talked about a year ago about some of the wearable devices that certain athletes are wearing. When one thinks about the possibility of a seizure or a sudden cardiac event, are those wearable devices useful in maybe being able to predict those, or is that more a performance thing? No. You know, the technology of, of the Apple Watches and some of these other uh, wearable technology whoop bands and, and aura rings that have typically been catered for sports performance really are technologically, you know, giving us good indications and able to give individual uh, individuals their own data, so to speak, that they can track. And certainly the the technology is sensitive and, and, and strong enough to start showing trends. And if there's trends in data where your heart rate has, you know, been elevated um, for an extended period of time with really not introducing any type of exercise or stimulation, you know, that could spur the question of, hmm, you know, I might be coming down with, you know, some sort of virus. I may have some other condition that's that's starting to manifest itself, and maybe I should see my primary care, you know, provider at, at that point. So certainly uh, they can be used from a monitoring situation to give you some early signs that may allow you to to access your, your medical provider and have some more advanced evaluation and diagnostics done to prevent those types of situations or medical emergencies from occurring. Final question, probably, for Tim Caberna this morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. I assume you saw the athletic trainer get pushed uh, in the NFL game last yes. week. I did. It was uh, it was one of those situations where you know I, I I don't know Scott that that's a that's a purposeful situation. I think that game obviously is is highly emotional because of the two teams involved and obviously what is at stake. I don't think that that was a, a malicious attempt to to block medical care, you know, to the injured you know athlete. Um, you know, emotions run high, and that and that's part of the territory of of being in that environment. But certainly, as professionals, you have to have a, a professional demeanor and mannerism about yourself, and be able to control your your actions. Um, I've never been in that type of of, of situation or, or altercation where we've been denied the ability to to give you know care to uh, an injured athlete and. You know, usually our medical staffs work in conjunction with one another that if my opponent, uh, you know, has a has an injured athlete on our sideline, that we will just provide very basic care until their staff comes and, you know, is able to take control of that situation. So it's a highly unusual situation, but certainly it was one that uh, caught our attention, especially in light of, of what uh, happened in Buffalo earlier in the week and how those two professional organizations collaborated and worked together synergistically for, for really a, a tremendous outcome with DeMar Hamlin. When you're hosting an event, you are kind of in charge from a medical standpoint, you and your team physician and, and local fire and EMS. 
without naming names, are there some schools that you send athletes to and you are decidedly less comfortable with the care that they may be receiving? You know, I'm not comfortable. I'm, I, what, what I, I'm not comfortable um, not sending our student athletes to, to other institutions because those institutions obviously have have good medical um, personnel on site. What I get concerned about is the growing nature and the, the creep of what's going on with doing more with less. And are we adequately going ahead and having appropriate resources at venues for competitions and for practices? I'm comfortable with the professionals that are at other institutions. I start to question again as we grow in sports and in size of institutions, are we reciprocating that with building, you know, appropriate medical infrastructure to support those and to allow everybody to, to compete and enjoy activity in a health and safe manner? I don't say it because he's a friend of mine, but he's truly one of the best in the business. Tim Caberna, a smart guy and really good at being a diplomat with people. Thanks for the visit today on Hearing Voices. Thanks so much, Scott. I appreciate the time.